Hey everybody, welcome to the Why the F Not podcast. I am your host, Stephen Brogan Cortez. Welcome to episode 81. We made it to 81. We're just going to keep pushing forward like a train, like a steam engine. And today, in this locomotive, our new guest for today is Natalie Lander. Not a friend from college, but a friend from Rockwell Table in Sage. She's a singer, actor, writer. She, she does it all, man. She'll make you laugh, even. But I met Natalie back at Rockwell Table and Sage back when I was house managing back there. And she was one of the stars of that stage. Uh, I'm so happy she got a chance to come down to the podcast, hang out, chat with me, talk about what she's working on, talk about... We talked about everything. We talked about tarot cards even. We talked about death and grief. It was a it was a very insightful, very insightful conversation. So come on, without further ado, let's get the clip rolling. Welcome to the Why the F Not podcast with Natalie Lander. Recording. All right, we're live. All right. Welcome to the next episode, y'all. You just got the intro. You know who I'm sitting with here today. Uh Natalie Lander. Welcome to the show, Natalie. Welcome, welcome. We had our little like back and forth already, but I'll ask you again. How you doing? Doing well. You know, all things considered, I think I'm hanging in. I feel like uh I'm finally the Phoenix rising out of the ashes moment. <laughs> God, I hope that's all of us coming into this year. Like it's almost over. 2022 is almost over. Yeah, it is almost over. And let me tell you, I don't know if you're into astrology and I love astrology. I'm super into it, but like, I'm not like an astrologer. I really don't understand it, but we have collectively gone through some really crazy planetary stuff and 2023 is going to be much better. So I mean, heard it. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, breaking news here, but I'm, I'm not one that's not, I don't, okay. I'm not super in depth into astrology. Like I, I know my, some of my information, I can't necessarily tell you like who someone is off the bat with their information, but like even right now before before uh, the the recording started, I asked my girlfriend Stephanie to give me a quick reading. So she does uh, like ancestral cards, tarot cards, and she has this one deck. It's um it's a star seed deck. So the this, so okay so tarot cards are basically in their own realm of mystical cards right of like you know that that energy and whatnot that's their own their own category then there's ancestral cards and mm. that varies wildly there's so many different themes um styles takes on it and this one's a, called the star seed one and basically it's you connecting with your like we're all star seeds you're a star seed i'm a star seed we're all in this one great collective right and these cards basically you know you ask the stars you know some guidance for the day for a situation and but something with the whole like astrology and whatnot aren't we getting into mars is it mars is in retrograde right now and so scorpion scorpios are living they're loving life right now yeah mars is in retrograde and we just had two eclipses um it's great like there's just so much happening right now and i am yeah i'm such a novice in all of it but i do follow this awesome astrologer um, her name is Gina Piccolo on Instagram. Yeah. And she does, she has like a Patreon page and she does every week an astro reading for the week where she does a, a collective one of like everything, all the energies that are going on. And then she goes through each individual sign and you can listen to your rising sign and your sun sign. And I am so in it with her. I now do monthly personal readings and I swear she is, 
uh, like she's so gifted. And now I want to do a reading with um, your girlfriend, Stephanie. (laughs) No way. Dude, I swear. I I feel like I'm just like, I'm just like, uh, like I'm her marketing manager or something. I'm always like, hey, do you want a reading? Stephanie does. She does. I'm sorry. I'm I'm always like, sorry, baby. Like she's right there in the room. So I'm like, I'm sorry, Steph, to just sell you like this. But I mean, you do do readings and you're practicing and you're good at it. You have really good intuition. You do one right now live. (laughs) No, I, I, That's a whole other podcast, maybe. Funny you mentioned that though, because okay, so you're going to be episode 81 for the podcast, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm planning for episode 100 to be like a special edition podcast where I'll be the guest, and I'm thinking maybe Stephanie interviews me, but if anything, that will be the episode where she does a live reading. Yeah. And who's I mean, to say who's to say that energy isn't valid? You know, who's to say mm-hmm. like if it, if it rings true to you. Who's to say that's wrong? Exactly. Who, who's the astrologer you said again? Can you say their name again? Name's Gina Piccolo. Who's to say what Gina Piccolo is helping you with, guiding you through, you know? Like, it's not necessarily Gina giving you these answers, right? It's not her. She's she's kind of the uh, the, the middleman. Yeah, yeah. The conduit. Perfect. Yes. And I don't know. It's It honestly feels – because well, – my friend Brian was here the other day and then he, we started talking about like uh, about cards and whatnot, auras and and he talked about how he sees – he used to see auras and and we were just like, bro, like he got a little timid but we we're like, bro, you're in a good room. This is the right audience to talk about this. And if yeah. – is this our generation's new religion, our new faith? Because yeah, you know, look, I feel like organized religion, you know, really causes a lot of divide – in a lot of different ways. Um, I grew up Jewish, so I feel like, I don't know, but I'm like Jewish, like super reformed, but <laughs> never grew up like with religion as a big thing. But I always did feel drawn to something that was bigger than myself. And I wonder also as artists, as people who choose careers where everything is completely out of your control, that finding some sort of um, connection to something that's bigger than ourselves, whether it be, you know, higher higher power or astrology or tarot cards to help guide us through this time where we have no, you know, rhyme or reason for anything. I I do think it's really helpful and whether it's real or not. I mean, I personally do think it's real because it, it feels right, you know? And that's what matters. I think that's what, because Christianity, like I was raised Christian and Mm -hmm. the way I learned about Christianity is that it, it wasn't a religion. It was a faith. You're just, you're having, and that's that, and religion, in my opinion, is just anything man-made that's used to oppress other people and to control. But like when you take Judaism, Catholicism, Christianity, Buddhism, all these teachings and faiths, it's all grounded in what you just said about believing in something higher than yourself. Because this world's wild. This world is scary, unpredictable. And it can crush you. It can, like as uh, we were talking about Jason, Dave, and Frank earlier, like express in peace, Green Ranger. Like life can crush you. And you, it doesn't matter, like how successful you are, how busy you are, how much money you have, how much fame you have. It can still crush you, man. And yeah. having that outside yeah. conduit, that outside. Whatever it is, whether it's whether if it's someone reading your tarot cards, whether it's God talking to 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 a holy person, you know, in, in your spiritual place, it helps you just detach from that ego and that fear. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's something where you're like, well, you know, I really do believe that there's a divine plan for all of us, and 
you know, you can't see light without knowing what dark is. So, you know, I feel like the things in my life that feel like challenges or hard times, it's like I have to find the light in them and go, okay, well, I'm going to grow from this because if I didn't have this, I wouldn't be able to enjoy this other thing in my life because I wouldn't appreciate it the same way. And, you know, it's about really finding, you know, light in the dark times. Yeah. I think it's Buddhism, right? That says that that's the one thing we all have in common is suffering. That's the one thing that connects us all is suffering because that's the common thing in life. We're all going to suffer at one point in our lives. It's the darkness mm -hmm. that comes around, right? But the light that comes after, what are you going to do with it? You know, yeah. what are you going to do yeah, with it? You have a choice. I do feel like you have a choice. You know, I feel like, like, uh, for example, uh, my dad passed away mm -hmm. a couple in 2020. And, you know, I was so close with him. And of course, I, you know, miss him every day. And I think about him every day. And I, I am still moving through the grief cycles, like in, in a lot of different ways. But I realized at one point, I was like, you know, pretty miserable. And I just decided I was like, you know what, though, I have a choice, I can either spiral into this pit of doom forever. Or I can just choose to appreciate the time I did have with him, know that, you know, he's, you know, out of pain and all these things and really find, you know, the, the good in, in the death and, and choose. It's not like I'm choosing to move on or forget about him or anything like that. It's just, I'm choosing to see the, you know, the bright spot, you know? Yeah. There was something I heard about, that feeling, whether if it's, you know, if whether you're going through the grieving process of losing a loved one, by the way, I'm so sorry about the loss of your father. Like I got to meet Mr. Lander. He, I got to see him. He was a cool homie. Very cool homie. Yeah. Uh, but w when it comes to those kind of feelings or if we're going through like depression or anxiety, like that feeling won't go away. Like even grief, mm -hmm. like I lost a little brother, like it's almost, it's been so long now, but like the, when you lose someone like your father, my brother, anyone that you lose someone that's really close, that grief you feel. Uh, Stephanie told me, she explained to me that that grief you feel is all the love that you have for that person still, even after they passed, you have all that love with you. And because it has nowhere to go, that's the pain that comes from grief. That That is grief. Mm. And that, yeah. uh, and eventually that pain won't go away. Because I don't know about you, but personally for me, my little brother who passed away, I hope this pain never goes away. I hope the I hope I still cry on his birthday or I, I hope I still cry just thinking about him, you know, because that that's like a reminder that that love is still there, that I still love him and I miss him dearly. And he's still with me. It's just yeah. a part of it. I, I totally feel exactly the same way. I'm actually writing something and it's about grief. There's a piece of it that's about grief and loss. And this one character says that and it's like, I don't want to feel better. Like, I don't want to just feel better. I want to always feel this because it reminds me of the love, but you also don't have to live in the misery or, you know, destroy everything around you to feel that, you know? Um, and I, yeah, I totally agree with you. I feel like there is something weirdly special about this experience of, of losing someone you care about because then you go, wow, I really, have experienced a love that's bigger than I thought could be, you know, it really is amazing. Cause love honestly is a double edged sword. 
it's a double-edged sword where you were not even a double-edged sword. I, I feel like that's a bad way to say it. it's more of like a it's a bittersweet experience we get to experience in this life where you get to grow these connections from love, whether it's our friends, our family, right? You grow bonds like like that that are deeper than anything you've ever experienced. But then one day you're going to lose them. Right. Right. One, whether that's, you know, life or the or death or whether that's, you know, people grow apart, whether that's just so many things happen. But like, that's just part of love, you know, yeah. like, like it sounds cheesy, but it's like the saying, right? It's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Exactly. Yeah. Yo, have you watched the show Severance on Apple TV? Oh, yeah. We watched that. Yeah. I'm still collecting myself over that show, but it's like that kind of thing. Like, oh, so in, in you've watched that. For those listening who haven't seen Severance, it's a show basically depicting in a very artistic, very visceral way, the whole work-life balance. You know, who you are at work, is it who you are at real life? And in this show, they literally separate the two identities where you go into work and that person you become has no memories, has no, has no, ex the experiences you had are gone. It's just like, a, it's basically a newborn baby. Mm -hmm. But then something you realize in that show, something I realized was that all that pain or all, whatever it is, whether it's the pain of losing someone or, or whether it's passion to paint or passion to do anything that lives in the body, it lives in the body and doesn't go anywhere. And that, fuck, what did you think of the show? What did the show do to you? I mean, it was really, and I mean, first of all, I won't give it away. Obviously, you've seen it, but for anyone who hasn't. Oh, God. Sorry, spoiler you know, alert. It did just come out last, this year. The last second of the show, of the season, you're like, <laughs> like <laughs> I mean. You and um, were like, that's it? That's it? I mean, that's a great cliffhanger for a season finale, but damn, that's it? Yeah. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's really interesting because I think without giving away too much, one of the characters has lost someone very near and dear to them and they choose to be severed so that they don't have to think about it all day. But also, you know, you do realize that that's not the, uh, that's not a way to healing. No. Uh, is what is. Heck no. Oh my God. Also with this whole Jason David Frank uh, with his passing, it's also, like a more, 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 more evidence that we just need to talk about it. Yeah. Talk about the hard mm -hmm. shit. Like, la like, yes, let's laugh about it. You know, here I'm speaking to, you know, Miss Natalie Lander, you know, funniest fucking person I've seen at Rockwell, right? I hope I don't make anyone else feel bad from Rockwell saying that. Something to come out and be like, yo, I heard what you said, Steven. It's me. You. I'm the funniest. I'm the funniest. <laughs> Steven said in the Why Do You Have Not podcast, Natalie Lander, the funniest person in Rockwell. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but like you can laugh about stuff, but like you have to cry. And like I'm sure like I'm sure you've had your your share of moments to just grieve your father, grieve just like I just you have to do it though. You have to do yeah. it. But But let me let my curiosity pick a little deeper if it's all right. You said you're yeah. you're writing something. Yes. What do you, you uh, what are you working on? Can you talk about it? Yeah, I think I can. I, I don't think, I mean, it's, it's just me writing it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, um, it's actually a very, it's a comedy. So while it sounds really dark and sad, um, it's a comedy. It's a Hanukkah rom-com that I've been writing. Okay. Because I felt like we don't have, you know, we have a lot of Christmas rom-coms. 
Um, and I was like, we don't have any Hanukkah rom-coms. So I've been writing it with a writing partner friend of mine. His name is Mike Zara. And we've been writing it for almost exactly a year now. And um, we just turned in our like official draft of our final, final script. I mean, it will get notes and revisions, of course, from here. But the the draft that we felt ready for, um, we sent it into our our reps and um, we'll see what happens with it. You know, it's kind of a, it's not like a Hallmark movie because it's definitely a little edgier, raunchier, um, but it's super fun. And I, I, it also explores, um, you know, grief and loss along with, you know, the Hanukkah traditions. And I think, you know, around the holidays, we tend to feel a lot of feelings. And so I know what this is. Yeah. Especially with family involved is, is I bet like with, with Hanukkah, I mean, we all know big Jewish families. Is, is that going to be an element too? Not just the rom-com aspect, but like, is there going to be a heavy family aspect to the, there to the, to the, to the familial show? aspect? But basically, like, sort of the elevator pitch is that um, you know, a year after this girl's death of her grandmother, who was her mm. best friend, um, her her friend takes her on a girls' vacation over Hanukkah to like get away. And then when she shows up to the retreat, she finds out it's actually a Jewish singles retreat that she's been tricked into being on. And doesn't <laughs> want to be there. so it's kind of like a comedy of errors, but it, it does. It's a, it's the death anniversary of her Bubby. And so there's a lot about grief and loss in there. Oh, I think the best comedies need a little, a little darkness. Yeah, it's like it's like the contrast. It's like the black and white contrast in a sketch, you know? Yeah, totally. And, I, you know, I started writing it, you know, about a couple months after my dad had passed. And I felt like I needed an outlet to write about the grief process and how I was feeling. But I didn't want to write about it. Like, I didn't want to write my story personally. Mm. And I didn't want to write about a girl losing her dad. And so this just kind of felt like a perfect way of where I could still, you know, use my art form as a way to heal, but it wasn't as, you know, it wasn't as hard and difficult mm. to do it as like the true story of or whatever. Yeah. Um, really this is a little of, you know, everything. Would, would you have been able to get through the writing process if you made it a little closer to home? No, I felt, um, it, it was interesting. Like we, we toyed around with, with it being the loss of her dad and it just didn't quite drive the character in the same way. And so I feel like that is a story eventually that I will write. Um, but for this in particular, it, it just didn't feel like the right, the right, the right person to lose for this character and her journey. Wow. Yeah. So, so was it just like a, a moment of inspiration that got you writing that got pen to paper, like you were in the midst of your grieving and then you were like, Oh, I got to get this out somehow. A little bit uh, backwards. Actually, I had originally just thought of this idea that I wanted to write a, a, a Hanukkah rom-com. Oh. And I thought of it many years ago, but it didn't really have any, like there wasn't anything like to the crux of the story that was like really a driving force behind the main character. And it was sort of like a, maybe like I started writing it and one could think it was like 
kind of like a, a long sketch. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're like, okay, yeah, that's, that's fun. But like, why, you know? Mm. And when I partnered up with um, my writing partner on this project, he was the one who encouraged me to use a, a death of a loved one as this character's driving force and kind of what's emotionally going on so that the movie isn't about a girl trying to get a guy. It it actually is the opposite. It really is a movie about someone trying to heal from loss. And so once, once he kind of like planted that seed with me, it got the ball rolling and and then we found our story and it's been really, really fun. So I, I hope one day, Someone gets to see it. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a long road. It's a, there's a long road ahead of us. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I, well, hopefully this will be the first mentioning of it, the first word of it. We'll make a little clip and we'll yeah. just like, we'll start planting seeds. We'll start planting seeds. Exactly. So this is like the first sort of, you know, it's birth. Actually, fun fact, my astrologer, Gina Piccolo and I, we did the birth chart of my script with my friend Mike. And wait, wait, time out. The birth chart of your script? So wait, so so does that mean like you took wait so okay, I need you to run me through this. I need details. How did you get the birth through how did you do that? Basically, I mean, who knows how exact and accurate it is, but she was like, Okay, when do you think was like the first, like the beginning of you guys doing this starting this script, like the birth of it. So we looked back into, cause I obviously save every document we ever write on every draft, everything. So everything's, you know, dated and time stamped. So we looked into my, um, the movie right now is called Hawanica because it takes place in Hawaii. Hawaii. <laughs> that's, that's, that's hysterical, dude. Dig it. <laughs> so I hope that title lives forever. But so basically I looked into my Hawanica folder and I, um, I saw like, okay, like, yeah, our first beat sheet we wrote on June 15th and it was like at 6.43 PM was when I guess I finished writing it that day. And then I double checked and went back in my emails and found that I had sent the beat sheet to Mike, my partner on uh-huh. this at, at six, at 6.45 PM. So we considered that the birth of the script. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Okay. And so, okay. You have the time, you have the date. What yeah. were the results? What? Well, what was your script sign? I guess it's a Gemini. <laughs> which oh, is interesting. Dual sided. I guess so. I have a partner on it. It kind of makes sense. And the story of the script is dual sided where it's a rom-com, but it's also, it's also, it's mainly a person going through the grieving process. So it's about losing love, but maybe possibly gaining love. Holy shit. Oh my God. See, we haven't even delved like, so this was just with Gina like recently. And so she just kind of told me some key dates to look out for. She was like, let's just see what happens and see if we're kind of like on the right track. But (laughs) I don't know. Just, just like Thor said in, 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 in Avengers, magic is just science that hasn't been explained yet. Exactly. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. So, yeah. So, we'll see. We'll see. Um, we'll see with the birth chart. I'll let you – I'll report back if it's accurate. Uh, please do. Like, I would love a follow-up interview and just be like, Stephen, okay. My script's, was- my script's wild right now. It is wild yeah. right now. She is born. She is born. 
So, yeah. Oh, kind of a- dig it. Hold up. Let me see. I'm getting these like annoying little notifications. I just got to do this really quick. Boop. There you go. Gosh darn. All right. Well, geez, I'm glad this, I'm talking to the right person about like astrological signs and birth charts. So yeah. what, did you get your birth chart done by Gina? Yeah. So my, I've always like been interested in my astrology and birth charts. So my and my mom and, and, and dad were very like hippy dippy kind of, especially my mom. So she's been into it. So she got my birth chart done for me as a gift for me, like many, many, many years ago. So I've How always my yeah it's like a really fun gift how old um, were you when when she got you the gift well i think she gave me my first birth chart when i was about 19 years old 19 or 20 years old and what was your reaction to the birth chart like when oh you God, put, I, the initiative like the they did the the initiative the, the, the like the first response you had to getting it were you like like what's this mom or are you like oh what's this mom more like oh thanks like of course you got me a birth chart you know what I mean like this makes sense I need to have this so I remember reading reading it and thinking like oh wow this is exactly me like this is like a little mini biography of me and like who I am um I will say in many years later I've only recently started getting uh, working with a professional astrologer to understand my chart more. So mm. now I, I, and I really do recommend that because I will say like, you can interpret things your own way, but having someone who under really understands it can help you really under uh, or interpret it and really get a clear, you know, handle on what it all means. Mm-hmm. Um, cause yeah, when someone says to me, Oh, well, your Mars is Mars is retrograding in your fourth house of, of whatever I'm like okay cool what what does that mean and you know so that's helpful but I really I love it it's so fun oh it's super helpful like when you start hearing stuff like oh make sure that the Mars is aspected well or that this isn't the moon isn't badly aspected or something because this will happen and yeah it's been interesting because I think what I've learned about when I work with an astrologer and when I think when you work with a good one is like, it's not like, you know, people are like, well, you can't live your life by that. Like, and it's like not about living your life by that, but it's about sort of like leveraging the energy with the planets to your best ability. So, you know, yeah, if there's a contract that comes up during a Mercury retrograde, I'm going to just try my best to avoid signing if possible, and if possible, we sign and we see what happens. You know what I mean? Like, actually, we bought our house that I'm living in, that we live in. Oh, my nice. husband. We bought a, our place um, in 20, or no, we found it in 2019, and then we closed escrow in 20, no, sorry, I'm getting, we found it in, 20, in the end of 20. <laughs> and closed escrow in in the in february of 2019 mm-hmm. and i actually found the first time i went to an open house i saw this place in a mercury retrograde now we didn't put an offer in or anything until after mercury went direct but i will say this house has given us some really interesting challenges and like gina's like what you did first see it in a mercury retrograde and it's not to say like 
the house is cursed or anything, but it would maybe potentially give you some challenges along the way. And they're not like challenges that are unreasonable or unlivable. It's just like little things where you're like, it might be because we found it during a Mercury retrograde. I don't know what I'm saying. I like having something I can blame it on. <laughs> I mean, energy, again, magic is just science that hasn't been explained yet. That's there you go. Like, like, okay, for those who are like, okay, me, when I, when Stephanie does the card reading for me, when I, when yeah. I read any like astrological like uh, readings for myself or whatnot, there's always maybe like 15, I used to be, I used to say 20%, but now I'm at 15%. Like 15% of me is maybe a little like, hmm, what is this? But that rest, that 85% of me, like that little bit more of me is like that, that you know, I'm, I'm, that, I'm like, hmm, maybe, maybe. And let's let's compare it to, to 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 other faiths like Christianity. People find real power in in praying. Uh, right. A lot of lot Muslims pray. Uh, Jewish people pray. They all have these different things they do that that centers them, that mm-hmm. that that brings peace to them. You know that they read their they read the Torah, they read the Bible, they, they'll read they'll read whatever their scripture is, and they'll they'll find meaning in that, and it'll help mm-hmm. shift their energy. There's no scientific fact that proves that that's actually happening, but people still believe that. Right. And it works for them. So they say. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I think we're all kind of like essentially doing the same thing. It's just, we call it different things, you know? Yeah. I, Whether you call it prayer or affirmations or meditation or, you know, all these different things, yeah. mantras. I mean, I, I do really think it's all, it's all energetic. And I mean, that's, I think what it comes down to is we're just, you know, we're made up of energy and atoms and things like that. And like, that's what everything's made out of. So we're kind of all the same thing. I know I could get really crazy with this stuff. (laughs) Dude, you're in the right audience. This is, you're in the why the F not podcast. So you're in the right audience. Uh, Did you, uh, so I learned this in my Chicano studies class back in CSUN, but that whole idea that we're energy and that we're all made up of energy. That's something Mm -hmm. I was taught in my Chicano studies class talking about like Mayan and Aztec cultures. They understood that concept too that we're all energy and that there was some wild shit I would learn in the class. Like there was portals and whatnot that Jedi's like the idea of a Jedi was even back then that like, that was act, like, that was an, a, like a, like a, uh, a pinnacle of human achievement that someone could achieve, but it was all about being in the right place at the right time in the right state of mind. Wow. And then he like connected that to Jesus, Buddha, all these other religious figures that we see. And it's like when they reach enlightenment, when they like, when they resurrected or when Jesus did this, who's to say they weren't in the right place at the right time in the right state of mind. And it allowed them to transcend whatever that means, whatever that means. Right. But then, but then you start, I don't know if you've read this book and I, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm trying to get through it right now, but I get distracted because of my ADHD. But then you read shit like the sacred mushroom and the cross. So base so long story short, this book explains and just and explains and just lays out the connection of psilocybin mushrooms and Christianity. Were they all doing shrooms? Yeah. So (laughs) so what this the beginning of this book explains how, you know, back when people were just very basic human beings farming the land, you know, living off the land and just barely living past 30 or something, right? Uh, right. And they were all they had was their faith, their God, whatever it was, right? 
something that the people noticed is that when it would rain the next day, mushrooms would pop up. Mushrooms were there like crazy. And to people back then, again, magic is just science that hasn't been explained yet. They didn't understand that mushrooms just grow really fast. They can literally, like you can go to sleep one night, it'll rain, and then you'll wake up the next day in your house. And if it's like, you know, you'll just see mushrooms blossoming. It's, It's wild. And they started eating these mushrooms and they started seeing God. And then it started, and, I, and again, this is a very shorthand version I'm giving you, but then it goes from that to then fertility rituals, which are also part of Christianity and its origins, because Christianity is so pagan. It's incredibly <laughs> pagan. So, it, but it was a lot of fertility rituals and like, and it's about keeping the land fertile, you know, because when, when God, when God made it rain on the ground, that was God's semen, if you will. And just Uh, making the land. And so when God would rain and these mushrooms came up, they were like, wait, God just made the land fertile. He gave us these gifts. We see him now. And that would connect all of them. That was like, they were like, there were, then this, sorry, this blows my mind because then they connect the whole thing about Jesus. And did you, did you know that, oh, if you were to guess ballpark, the average age of Jesus and his disciples what would you think the average age for them would have been? Mm. Like 25? Yeah. They're more like 15, 16. They were young boys. Oh my God. And people start wondering like, wait, how do you know that? And then people point out in the Bible and whatnot that it signifies they're young boys because it says in the Bible that they were allowed to certain uh, temple uh, ceremonies because they were all mostly Jewish, right? There were certain ceremonies or certain like things in the temple they couldn't go to because they weren't of age yet. So that was a clear signifier that his uh, his followers, like they were all young boys for the most part and also probably tripping on mushrooms, talking about unity, talking about being one. Like all the stuff Jesus says makes sense when you just throw in psilocybin. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. That's so fascinating. Yeah, totally. I mean, I do feel like Jesus was like super hippy dippy, probably. Oh, the biggest hippie you ever saw. Speaking about love and togetherness and something else I heard about Jesus that I appreciate was that everyone like idolizes him and makes makes him be like, oh, you follow the son of Christ. But when he like what I've heard is that when he was around, he wasn't trying to be this leader and be like, yo, what's up? I got the answer. Come follow me. No, he was trying to say. You also have the answer. I'm Christ. But when I say we're all Christ, it's, it's, oh, you're good. Bless you. It's like, we're all Christ. We're all together, baby. And the biggest hippie, the biggest hippie. Crazy. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to read that book now. It's, it's a, it's a trippy book. And it's a book that was also tried, the, the, what was it? The, um, the Vatican tried shutting that book down. Oh, I believe that. Yeah. And then the internet said no. And the internet just laid, just started pushing out a bunch of free versions online. People just started oh, transcribing cool. it. Yeah. Wow. The power of Crazy. the internet, man. Oh, God. Really? So what, so what else you got, 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 has you believing in stuff? What else has you pushing forward? You watch anything that blow your mind lately? You know, it's like so funny. I feel like Jared and I were constantly watching TV because, you know, with the pandemic, we really have scaled back being social, especially Jared. He's just not 
as interested in being out, you know, because none of us want to get sick. So Mm. anyways, so we are home a lot and we watch a lot of TV. And so we're watching, gosh, I feel like we watch pretty much everything. Well, no, I I, I say that. And like, I'm not into the game of Thrones house of dragons thing. It's like too violent for me. And I just can't, I just can't. Um, but we watch, white lotus which we're enjoying i haven't seen that yet what's white lotus oh my gosh it's really fun i mean it's it's a comedy it's a dramedy i guess you could say and um it they the first season took place at a resort in hawaii Mm. and which is funny because i had started writing my script that takes place in hawaii before white lotus and i was like oh no and i'm like no it's okay it just means it's time (laughs) you know yeah Um, the universe is telling you yeah the universe is like see people want to see that things like this so um but it's really fun it's about it, it really is about like you know I don't know, five separate people on vacation at a very ritzy resort in Hawaii and sort of what unfolds. It's kind of slice of life, like, but there is some mystery and drama to it. And the characters are very interesting. Jennifer Coolidge stars in it. and She's kind of found this like resurgence from doing the show. No Um, way. Yeah, it's great. And then the second season is out. It's not fully out yet. It's like every week an episode comes out. And they're in Italy, and it's a new cast except for Jennifer Coolidge, and one other, one other character. So, yeah. all right, I'm gonna really add that to the fun. list. Stephanie will appreciate that. Oh yeah, it's great. It's on HBO Max and HBO, and it's really, it's just really fun. And Mike White writes it, and he writes and directs the whole thing, and it's it's interesting because it's not really formulaic the way most TV is. Mm. And it's sort of refreshing because there's just kind of sometimes there will be scenes of people talking and they're just kind of talking like regular people, like nothing is really happening, but yet there's a lot underneath it going on. And it's really, it's really interesting. It's a really interesting show. So who's the writer director, Mike? What was his last name? Mike White. Mike White. He's comedian. He wrote, um, oh my God, what's the movie? And he was nominated Actually, you won an Oscar, I think. Um, Let's check it out. I don't have a producer off screen. I am um, my own on-screen producer, Mike yeah. White. Oh, Mike White, yeah. Oh, my God, no. He's from School of Rock where everyone was Mr. Schneebly. And it's like, no, yeah. Mr. Schneebly's actually a writer too. Whoa. So he wrote and direct White Lotus? He wrote and yeah. directed. Yeah, he wrote and directed it. He's Yeah, it's great. It's really fun. It's really, really fun. And it's like... Not a lot of episodes, so it's, like, very easy to, you know, digest. It's, like, not a long commitment, you know? Great cast. Steve Zahn? Yeah, he is in the first season. Okay. Definitely added to the list. And is Jennifer... You said this is, like, a resurgence for Jennifer Coolidge. Is she, like... So, she's not playing her typical roles as she used to play. She Is she playing something different? Similar? No, no. She's still playing, like, the <laughs> is so perfectly playing everything. But yeah, but I do feel like this is sort of like, I don't know if you've noticed that Jennifer Coolidge is like, you know, kind of like everywhere online. I feel, I feel like at least maybe that's what's being fed to me in the algorithm. No, I feel it. She's trickling. She was trickling in for the past couple of years, just either commercials or just clips here and there. 
Yeah. And so I feel like White Lotus really kind of like upped the ante with her. And um, yeah, she's great. And then she was also in, we watched the show. I don't know if I recommend it. The Watcher. Mm. Like, it's her and okay. um, Ryan Murphy show. Oh. It's a little, I don't know. We were slightly disappointed with it. Like it was kind of like, okay, it was, but mm. she's pretty funny. So I wonder because you don't always need to have a writer be the director of a of a piece of media for it to be good. But for the most part, whenever I watch a movie or a show and I'm just like, fuck, that was good. And then I find out that the writer was the director. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's why. Like, no, they, they know the point they're trying to get across. There's no middle me, you know, mm-hmm. like the, yeah. the, 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 the vision is clear. The roadmap is is set down. And because the writer is directing, it's like you're at the helm. Yeah. Yeah. So true. That being said, that being said, just a curious thought of mine. Would you ever um, would you ever think of directing your your movie? Um, Hawanica? Did I say it correctly? Hawanica? Hawanica. See, it's fucking in there. It's a seed. I see. Like. I think I see not not to put myself down in any way, but I think I see like bigger things for it than me directing it. Mm. I think one day I'm curious about directing. I've definitely thought like more recently. I um I did a one woman show this year this summer that I was in and that I wrote and I had a director, but a, really a lot of it was like a lot of my vision that kind of came to life, and so it was like I felt like I kind of definitely co-directed in a lot of ways where I'm like, I, these were things in my brain that I, that materialized on stage. And so it definitely got me more, like more thinking about what it would be like to direct. Um, my husband directs. And so I see how much goes into it. And I'm like, like, I don't know if I'm like the type of director who would really want to sit down and like make shot lists. Like that sounds really boring to me. Um, <laughs> Not sure. So basically, I don't think I'm ready yet because clearly I'm like, ew, that sounds like a lot of work and boring. But wait, it's Jared, correct? Your husband's name. So it's and Jared, like he directs. Does he want to act? So he used to be an actor, and um, that's how we met. And now he uh, he went to USC for film school for directing, and I think he's just sort of naturally transitioned away from acting into directing, and. And let me tell you, having two actors in a household is is too much. Too many, I think. <laughs> too many too many actors on stage? What's going on? Like, is it just a lot of character and personality in the it's household? So nice that, like, he doesn't have to go through the same, mm. you know, stuff that I, that I go through as an actor. Um, and it's great because he, you know, he stays busy as a director. So it, we balance each other out a lot. Oh, that's wonderful. And hey, different strokes for different folks, right? Yeah. Like loved the the grind of of what being an actor takes. You know, it it's 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 a hustle, you know, as you know, you're an actor. It's not just a hustle, man. It's like a hu- it's like the it's like there's the hustle financially, right? Yeah. You gotta make yeah. money, you gotta hustle and be an entrepreneur and you have to do so you have to as an actor, you have to like put on so many hats, right? But then there's also just the mental health part of it, how crushing it can be. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's so true. And nowadays, I really do feel like you have to kind of be a multi-hyphenate because there's so many 
actors out there. And like, you need to be able to create your own work, you know, and put yourself out there in different ways. And like, you know, whether it be, you know, you write something or you have a podcast or, you know, there's so many different ways to have other outlets other than just waiting for an audition to come in and taping it in your house. That feels like a vacuum, you know? Yeah. Yeah. People are having full fledged production studios in their own homes, whether it be, they're modeling, whether it's them creating shorts, whether it's ASMR, a podcast, animation, people really? like we like people we used to have to wait for like a production studio or some agency, someone to give us entrance to this world, right? But we have the capability now just to create what we want. Yeah, it's so true. It's like it's really exciting because it does give us like a little more control, you know, where I felt like we've, there's so many things like out of our control, like even with self taping is, you know, I know some people love it. Some people hate it. And I have my moments where I like love it and I hate it. But I will say at the end of the day, it's like, it's kind of nice that like, I get to be in my space. I get to be comfortable. I get to do it on my own time. I don't, I can like do it anywhere. Really. If I'm if I go on vacation, I don't have that stress anymore where it's like, I can't go anywhere because what if that one thing comes up? It's like, it's such a nice thing because I do feel like it gives us a a little bit of power back, even though you send it off and then you're like, did anyone ever watch that? We don't know. We never know. We never know. I'll take having like my lighting and recording on my good side over going into the room any day now. (laughs) You have to get any, any piece of control that you can take for yourself. I think you should take like, don't, don't get greedy and have that, uh, that starving. That's, uh, that what's it called now? The opposite of abundance mentality where it's like that, uh, hunger mentality or that famine mentality. We can't be in that mentality where I have to take whatever I can. It's like, no, no, no. There's plenty. You yeah. have plenty. You have plenty. Do it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. Yeah. Like uh, my friend Brian Tran, like he just like offered me this olive branch. He was like, dude, if you want to start writing, you're too scared. Start writing something. I have a team. We'll shoot a short together. We'll figure it out. And I'm like, dude, fuck yeah. Like, ev- like even if it's just your phone, like even yeah. if it's just like, like in 2004, I think it was 2004, the short film Tangerine, I think it's called, was shot on an iPhone 4. Right. Like, it's po- as Suzical the musical says, anything's possible. <laughs> exactly. It's so true. It is so true. I mean, we've got so much now that we can, you know, make things look professional and just be creative and put them out in the world, which I think is so great and so important. Mm-hmm. Which is like one of the biggest reasons why I have this podcast, because I want it to be a transmitter. Uh, like uh, I want people to receive this show and, and know that, yeah, why not? I can do it too. I can do it too. Yeah. Is, yeah. That, is that a puppy ear? Oh, I thought I saw a puppy. Is that your thumb? I got excited. Every time a guest has a dog, I got oh. so excited. I thought that was a dog's ear. <laughs> no, we don't have any. I got so excited. I feel like my girlfriend right now. I got so excited. I saw a dog ear. <laughs> No, I wish we had. No, that was my thumb. I was playing with my ring. <laughs> I wish we had a dog. I My dogological clock has been going off lately, and I've been wanting to adopt a dog. And I don't know um, if you've ever tried to adopt a dog in Los Angeles, but it is really hard. <laughs> What's going on? What, what challenges are you coming up with? Well, 
I find that the rescues are very, it's like really competitive. So it's like if a dog goes up on their Instagram or on their website, you have to immediately put in an application and then you have to be prepared that you're going to meet that dog within a day. And then you have to be prepared to decide if you're going to make a life commitment to said dog that second. And to me, I just, first of all, I don't operate like that. I like to think about things. I like to really like feel things. So it's just been really difficult. So I'm not going to lie. Mm. Very nice by the whole uh, LA dog adoption thing. I think probably the best thing for us to do would be just go to different shelters and go, let's just go look and see who's available and see if something, you know, if we're led, you know, to the right dog. But I was going to say, feel it out. Feel it out. Yeah, it's been, it's so crazy. We've tried, like, we've gotten close a couple times. A few times the um, person who was fostering the dog decided to keep the dog. Um, A couple times, one time we were just felt so pressured to take the dog that it made me feel really not good about it. And so didn't take the dog because I was just like, I don't feel like this is right. I feel like I'm getting pushed into a place like this and it's making me nervous. Like, are you being Um, like guilt tripped, gaslit? What were they doing to you? Well, like, yeah, like one rescue was like, we didn't know if we really wanted the dog. And then we were like, we met it and we liked it, but we met it for like 15 minutes. And, you know, it's like, how do you know, you know? That dog's probably anxious. That dog's probably nervous, not in the right state of mind to get to know you. I mean, it's different when you like have it in your life and you're like, oh my God, this dog incorporated Crete into our life. So then with this rescue, with this particular dog, we were like, we asked the rescue, like, would they be willing to do a week trial and we could just like see how it feels. And they basically acted as if we were going to euthanize the dog. The second we got it home, like it was like, well, we can't do that. You know, we can't, you know, that's too much on the dog. And I'm like, no, it goes to a foster. It just came out of the pound. I would think like a week vacation at our house is just totally fine. So then we were like, okay, so obviously no trial. Um, But then I reached out to the, the organization, I was like, I felt like the organization didn't want us to have the dog. Like they were kind of like weird. And then they were like, yeah, you can have it. And then I was like, I just want to make sure, like, I want to make sure this feels like everyone's happy, but like, I'm feeling like maybe you're not happy. And then I slept on it and I was like, we're not taking this dog. So then I, I wrote them and I was like, I don't think this is right. It's not feeling right. They never wrote me back. They just, they ghosted you. Ghosted us, and I was like, "Well, then, I deal with like this immature stuff." It's like, come on! I think it's really actually mature and a responsible adult to really think about these things. You can't just just go. I'm going to take a dog on a whim. Like, anyway, it's no. been a thing. I, now, maybe maybe that dog uh, that that rescue center you were you were you were looking for dogs at maybe they've experienced that a lot where people are very nonchalant with dogs. I, I know that's where I came from. Like my background, my family, they see dogs as chuchos, you know, just dogs. It doesn't right. go past that, you know. Yeah. Like there's no feelings. Cool. There's no there's no real spirit. It's just a dog. It's there to scare the raccoons and cats from the yard, and it can live outside. And I'm like, what? Why can't I cuddle? That's my baby. Right. I know. Well, yeah, it's so interesting because I think the, these people really think of like dogs as like humans and babies. 
So that's why I didn't really understand why, why they make you decide so fast. Because to me, it's like, this is a really big decision. Like, wouldn't you want to make sure it is, the dog is going to the best home it possibly could? So, yeah, it's all a little counterintuitive. Yeah. Anyway, no dogs here. And oh, dogs are really- Not yet. Here. Not yet. I'm, we're going to put that, we're put that in, in, into the universe. Not yet. Yeah, not yet. We do dog sit frequently. We dog sit our neighbor's dogs and we dog sit um, a friend of ours' dog. So we get dog time. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, okay, I'm going to do a real quick restroom break right now because I have the bladder of an infant. So if you don't mind, if you need to take a restroom break or get some water, I wanted to give a quick shout out to El Salvador real quick. Uh, I'm wrapping my colors right now because the World Cup starts today. Even though I'm against the World Cup because it's because uh, FIFA is a horrible organization. And I don't know if you know the drama with the World Cup right now. Have you? Are you like... Oh, yeah, the homophobic the, stuff. Thank if you. only that was it. And yeah. that says a lot. If only the homophobic shit was it, was it that with the FIFA and the World Cup. All right, so the World Cup right now, it started today, actually. The first game started today in the morning. Uh, mm-hmm. The World Cup is in Qatar right now. And the World Cup is hosted in a city. And I got all this from John Oliver's show. Like, that guy just blows my mind and makes me laugh at the same time. John, that's for you. Um, but he was explaining how in Qatar, they built this city for the World Cup that didn't exist 10 years prior. What? They, they made a brand new city just for the World Cup. And to house the World Cup, I think they need somewhere around nine stadiums to make just to house the games. You need this. So they had they had to build nine stadiums more or less in Qatar. And they were showing, um, they were showing like footage of reporters going into those, uh, war, to the, the construction sites p- prior to this whole World Cup starting. Dude, the, the work environments were horrendous. Like, oh my God. like it, it was basically slave labor. Ugh. Basically slave Can labor. You- and like these like super rich, like people who are like are, are in charge of the World Cup in Qatar, they're like, oh yeah, it's great. It's great. Great environments. Great. Oh, yeah. We uh, we make sure they're comfortable. And then the reporter's like, really? Have you been there? And the guy's, yeah. like, he's, the guy's like, no, I haven't actually. And you guys, he, and, and the reporter's like, well, I was actually there last week. And then the, the guy's like, what? You were there last week? Really? Shit. And then <laughs> interview ends. Bouncers come in like security and they're like, yeah, we're done. We're done with this interview. He's oh not my God. like, so they're keeping everything hush hush. So the World Cup's a little... It's a little shady. FIFA is shady as hell. Like, just the whole World Cup event. Like, World Cup's great. I love it. You know, I, I'm i like, if, if El Salvador made one, because here's the thing. One, if you don't know about the World Cup, El Salvador, it's known as El Piojito de Centro America, the little tick of Central America, because El Salvador is the size of Rhode Island. It is a small little country. It, literally four hours to drive across the entire thing. Four hours. It's, it's nothing. But so this is a poor little country that their soccer team isn't the best because again they don't have a lot of money so they don't really get to go to the World Cup because you have to qualify to get there so whenever they do go there you know I like to rep my colors but this year they don't and I'm glad they don't because also the playing conditions for the World Cup are going to be stupid which is why they're having it now in November because it's originally a summer festival but summers in Qatar reach up to 125 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's like, no, no, thank you. Yeah. Crazy. Um, yeah, that's stupid. But yeah, that's for El Salvador. But if you're watching from El Salvador, 
Um, but I wanted to ask you before we get into the the next segment of the show. I want to just I don't know if, like it, I, I'm not holding you on time, am I? No, I mean, well, can we pause for a second? I yeah. do have to leave at like eleven twenty. Oh, okay. No, good to know. Perfect. So let you know what I was gonna just try to reminisce about Rockwell, but we never got a chance to do that. So that's cool. No worries at all. We'll reminisce about Rockwell later. And if anything, we'll get to the next segment of the show, the question portion. Okay. And uh, and so uh, for those that don't know, these 10 questions come from inside the actor studio. They're the 10 questions James Lipton would ask the guest at the end of every interview. Uh, very simple questions. I like to think of them as deceptively simple, uh, where you get to learn a little bit more about the guests. Okay. So here we go. Are you ready, Natalie? I think so. All right. First question. What is your favorite word? My favorite word is... Yes. <laughs> yes? Yes. I like <laughs> Tell me yes. <laughs> oh, I dig it. Dig it. Right yeah. on. <laughs> I like when people tell me yes. I like when I get the green light. I like yes. I like yes. Dig it. Dig it. Next question. What is your least favorite word? Um, I think I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I won't be that annoying. Um, <laughs> I mean, actually, what is interesting about no is, it, listen, I think it's okay to say no a lot of things, but I think I don't like, I don't like the word. It's so hard. I wish I had thought of this a little better, but I don't like the word. Um, I guess I don't like the word hate. You know, I don't like the word hate. I think that is a a very, you know, dark, ugly word. And I don't like that. And, but back to the no thing, I guess I don't like, I don't like people who instantly say no to something without fully hearing or understanding what it is. Um, I think it's completely okay to say, you know, yes or no to something when you have heard all the scenarios and facts. Maybe that's the Libra rising in me. I like a balance. So I have a lot of, you know, people who are just kind of like, will say no to things in life without, you know, really understanding what they are and being, not being open to them. So mm. it's kind of a long, boring way to say that. Anyway. Heck no, dude. That was a perfect way to say it. Perfect okay. way to say it. All right. And that's not to say no isn't good when it comes to boundaries because boundaries are wonderful. Yes. Um, that's true. I do like boundaries. So it's, some, it's not really no. It's like, it's more of like a vibe. I'm like, I don't know if I have a, it's more like vibes. Yeah. It's on, like my least favorite vibe, vibe is like, and, and, and my, my favorite vibe is. <laughs> dig it. Dig it. Yeah. Ah, right on. Next question. <laughs> what turns you on emotionally, spiritually, or mentally? I think what turns me on um, all those ways is creativity. I love collaboration. I think collaborating with people, whether it would be, you know, socially where you're like in a conversation and you're 
just collaborating about, you know, life's philosophies and things like that. I love that. Or when you're collaborating with someone creatively and like building something or when you're, I even think like, you know, watching things or reading things is like a way to collaborate with the artists that created them, which brings ideas in you and all these things. So I think those are, that's kind of what I love in life is, is togetherness and collaboration. Mm. Take it. Thank you. Next question. What turns you off emotionally, spiritually, or mentally? I think I kind of said this, but I think people who are not open-minded, um, you know, those people that are closed off and stuck in their own way and aren't able to see outside themselves. Um, I think one of my the philosophies of life is I always take responsibility for myself and what's going on in my life. And I try my best to not blame others or things outside of myself. And so I think people who just outwardly blame everything around them on things outside of themselves and don't ever look within is, is really something I find to be hard to connect with and, and is a turnoff to me. Mm. Right on. <laughs> Thank you. Cool. Next question. What sound or noise do you love? Oh, do I love? Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say hate. <laughs> I know that one really <laughs> Um, I love laughter. I mean, listen, I'm an actor. I love making people laugh. I love watching an audience laugh. Actually, one of our things at Rockwell was sometimes when I would stand off stage before I would make an entrance or I wasn't in the scene, I would watch the audience watch the actors and just laugh uncontrollably and and see them just forget for whether it was a minute what was going on in their day um to me that is is like the best thing ever is laughter mm. dig it next question what sound or noise do you hate Eating noises oh my <laughs> god i will punch you in the face <laughs> <laughs> um so hard and it's so funny sometimes my husband like his eating noises really bother me but it's really only because I think we've been together 13 years and just sometimes he's not like a messy eater or a loud eater but like just sometimes it like gets in my brain and ear more than others like he tends to drink water very loudly and I don't like I just don't understand that I'm a very silent water drinker and so a loud water drinker is like I'm like really I, I can't I can't even hear myself think so is he a gulper a slurper what's like a gulp it's like a it's like a throaty gulp thing like there's air in there I'm like that can't be comfortable because I don't like to gulp I don't like to get air in there anyway <laughs> working on it I mean if anything that's just evidence of how close y'all have grown as a couple <laughs> as a friend as a friend you know just living together that you notice the smallest things like how he gulps his water I can't think yeah that. and like 
during the pandemic, it got kind of like worse, obviously, because we were quarantined together. So he used to do this thing. He does not do it anymore because I think I, I freaked out about it so many times. But he used to do this thing where he would hold the water and he'd be watching TV and he would just go. <laughs> like one of those little toys? Like tiny little sips, like tiny little sips. Like, so at the corner of my eye, all I'm seeing is like this <laughs> movement. And I'm like, I can't watch this thing right now because you're drinking like a hamster and it's driving me crazy. <laughs> I was like, just take some sips, put it down, sit back, relax, and get a drink again later. But I don't yes. know who's listening, but some someone's got to put a camera in 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 the land in your household because we got I Oh, you got to make that into you got to put that on on screen or film or something. That, uh, God damn, the way he's sipping. I can't think, man. <laughs> in his defense he's probably fine and i'm the i'm the total asshole about it it's me it's me ah <laughs> oh, dig it solid balance next question okay. all right what is your favorite curse word oh uh, you know that really does change a lot um i tend to say like it's not a curse word, but I do have some like things that I say a lot, which is like, that's cuckoo bananas. And I know that's not a curse word, but like, I say that a lot and people are like, where did you come up? Where did you, where did that come from? I'm like, I don't know. We say cuckoo bananas. Um, you know, I like a classic fuck, you know, I'm also, but I'm not afraid of the word cunt. Like it doesn't bother me, nice. you know, sometimes someone's like a cunt and that's a really cutting descriptive word. Um, yeah. Nice. Right on. Yeah. Next question. Okay. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, well, like, I mean, I guess writing has been a new kind of thing, but I think that's kind of still in within the realm. If I were to pick something completely, totally out of the entertainment world, I guess... I really enjoy party planning. Like I like I like planning parties. Nice. Right yeah. on. Yeah. All right, next question. What profession would you not like to do? Ugh. There's so many. I mean, there's so many professions out there that I'm like so admire people who do that, you know? I think, like, I, I like I admire people who work in the, um, you know, delivery, package delivery industry. Like, I mean, what an exhausting physical job that you have. I mean, I can't even imagine doing things like that. So it's like, that's something like, I feel like, well, I physically could never do it. But also, I just, I, I like, really, like, so much heavily relies on those people. Um, same with like our mailman. Like sometimes our mailman will come and deliver mail at 9 p.m. And I'm like, he's walking in the dark with our mail. And like, I could never do that. And I just really admire people like that. Um, but like a job like I would never want to do is probably like, I don't know. Is there a person who like slaughters the animals at the slaughterhouse? Like, yeah, that, that job. I, I'm like, no. No, thanks. Oh, yeah. That's a hard one. All right. Ooh. Solid answer. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. All right. And final question. If heaven exists, 
What would you like to hear God say as you enter the pearly gates? I would say you did it. You know, like you did it. You did all the things you wanted to do. You achieved the things you wanted to achieve. You did it and you did it well. So that's what I want to hear. You did it. Hell yeah. Well, hey, you did it. You got to the end of the podcast, Natalie. We did it. Uh, now it's your time to please let let any, let the listeners know what you're up to, what they can check out, anything you want them to check out. The floor is yours. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, I guess um, I did write this one-person show that I performed over the summer um, based on my experience of being on this reality TV show on MTV to play Elle Woods in Legally Blonde the Musical on Broadway. And I will be doing that again in LA sometime in 2023. I don't have the exact dates yet, but it will be happening again. So I'm very excited about that. And that was a really big creative feat that I feel like I achieved. Um, So I'm proud of that. And then I did just shoot a movie for Tubi, um, which is free, uh, directed by Danielle Fischel and written by her husband, Jansen Karp. And That was really fun. And I think it's actually, I really liked the script. It's very cute. I play a 20 something year old. So (laughs) there's that. And um, it was one of those things where, I don't know, it was, it was a set where you really felt like family. And, you know, even though it was only a couple weeks, it just, it was such an enjoyable experience. I'm really excited to see how it turns out because I, I personally had such a great time working on it and Tubi is a cool new streaming service that's free and and it's ad based. So what was the movie called once more? What was it? It's called Classmates. Classmates. Takes place in college. So well right on. God, we didn't even get to talk about legally blonde. We didn't get to talk about we didn't even there's so much and we we spent almost we're over over an hour ten now and like we didn't even get to talk about that. Oh my gosh. I will, we'll just have to I'll just have to bore you again. Come back. Uh, All right. You know what? You're you're you've twist. You're twisting my arm, Natalie. You're gonna have to come back. All right. My arm's back every week to just do you know drone on for hours. Um, well, I mean, yeah. this is my. I always said that the podcast started off for me as cheap therapy when it was just me. So if you just need to come vent about something, or you're like, I have an idea that I just need to just talk about, Stephen. I'll be like, hey, come on to the podcast. This will be uh, your soundboard. <laughs> Well, thank you. I had such a nice time. Heck yeah. I'm so happy to see you. And we're going to just go. And- oh, we did it. We got to the end of the podcast. We're at the outro. Look at that. Dude, we made it. I appreciate you. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Uh, hope you enjoyed Natalie's stories. Uh, I, I know I, I fucking did you imagine the drinking one with like her and her husband like dude I want to see that in a show I hope that becomes a show one day Natalie if you're listening to the outro Natalie it's going to plant that seed like I want want to see that on TV or film I need that Uh, but if you want to stay up to date with everything Natalie is up to uh, especially her show coming uh, to LA soon in 2023 check out her Instagram let me see I got it right here it's going to be on the bio but let me just make sure yeah Natalie underscore Lander just how it's spelled Uh, you can check her out there and everything she's up to. And also all my stuff, Stephen Brogan Cortez, Google it. Have fun. What can you find? Are you going to find anything? Quien sabe, dude. Quien sabe. Uh, oh, and most importantly, let's not forget that you are enough. You are more than enough. 
it is incredible how enough you are. Okay? Um, bye! I'm not getting rid of this part because I really like it. It's one of my favorite parts. It's one of my favorite parts. It's one of my favorite parts. And when it's over, it's over. The episode is over.